Good morning. I wonder who we're going to get to talk about health. So to get this uh, started, if you could take one thing home with you today, I want you to consider this, that with 20 years of clinical experience and the ability to lower LDL by 20%, today's sermon is sponsored by Lipitor. <laughs> Ray told me to be myself, so uh, there you go. Health is a broad topic, so um, just a few things, hopefully, that we can, I can share today with you to uh, hopefully improve uh, your health in some capacity. But um, We are a society today, obviously, obsessed with health and fitness. You can see that through all the commercials on television, another Planet Fitness commercial. Um, it's everywhere. 48 billion dollars was spent just last year alone on uh, equipment, sporting equipment, health equipment, gym memberships, things of that nature. 90 plus billion was spent last year on just athletic apparel. Maybe you don't go to the gym, but you look the part, right? If I don't see at least five yoga pants a day, you know, I'm wondering if there was a fire at Lululemon or something like that. <laughs> 90 billion, that's a ton. And that's uh, the culture that we're living in as far as our, our obsession with health and fitness. And of course, to take it one step further, our obsession with What's next? Our appearance. We are a society obsessed uh, with our appearance. Um, we have pressures all the time, pressures for your kids to do well at school, pressures to do well in your career, pressures to have a successful, long-lasting marriage, and obviously there's pressures that we experience in our lives to look a certain way to the tune of $16 billion just last year was spent on plastic surgery. 16 billion. That's 17 and a half procedures, minor and major, mostly, mostly minor elective cosmetic procedures to make you look better. you know, hundreds of procedures, use your imagination. Actually, no, I'm gonna give you an example which kind of proves my point. Three weeks ago, okay, I had a patient come into the office. She's a 64-year-old, I'm not breaking HIPAA, by the way. 64-year-old female came into the office for a regular checkup, 64 years old, and informs me that she has an appointment scheduled with her plastic surgeon, so when she turns 65 and retires in November, she no longer has to consider wearing a bra. Those are the priorities, people, of our coworkers. This is the priorities and the mindset of some of our neighbors. How skewed is that? What an opportunity we have in front of us. Um, there's nothing wrong with improving your health, but that's not health. Um, but in order to glorify God with our bodies, we must care for um, our souls first. You can't start with your body. You have to have the right order to proceed successfully with your health. And it first starts with our spiritual health, okay? If we have an appropriate response we can have an appropriate response to the pressures in this world when we make decisions in line with our godly priorities. And if we honor God in our health, 
We have to address our health in appropriate order. Um, common verse I wanted to show, uh, Matthew 16, 26. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? Obviously not. Um, you'll never be satisfied chasing after things just to improve your physical appearance. If you don't get this part right, it'll all be for naught. How do we feed and nourish our soul? We must first have a personal relationship with our Lord and Savior. An ongoing relationship, obviously. This is nothing new, and hopefully these few points I'm going to make initially are nothing new. You, you want to improve your health, you can't not go to the gym or work out. You can't not con have a personal relationship with Christ if you don't spend time with him. It's an ongoing relationship. If you are absent from his presence, it's not going to work out. How do we feed and nourish our soul? Three things. Spending time with him in the word. Spending time in worship. And uh, spending time in prayer. Spending time in the word. This is our renewing of our minds. This is our uh, diet, if you will, spending time in the Bible, our daily bread. And I, I'm not referencing the daily bread devotional. If you're, if you're using that as your only uh, food, let me encourage you to dig a little deeper in the Word. Not so much in a book, uh, spending time in the Word. This is our caloric intake, if you will. Spending time in worship. We have to spend time in worship, again, as part of the foundation for our health. This is our expression of love. This is our exercise, if you will. Uh, are we here? When the doors are open, worshiping, we're attending life groups whenever possible. On Wednesdays at times, my son, Garrett, he goes, he has a friend here at church, uh, at school, who doesn't attend here. So him and some of his friends actually go to their church for Wednesday night services and youth group. I think that's great. Worship every opportunity. See, at least he's not home playing Fortnite, right? Uh, and that's probably another <laughs> lecture series, huh? Um, yeah. I'm just waiting to see Fortnite VBS. <laughs> Run if you see that one. Don't send your kids there. Um, but this is our exercise, our expression of love, and lastly, our time in prayer. This is bringing your petitions, your needs, others' needs to God. Uh, this is, if you will, our personal hygiene, um, our stress, our, um, our sleep, spending time in worship, in the, in the word, and in prayer. And this has to be our foundation. And again, I doubt that I'm saying anything new, but just a gentle reminder. Only when we get that right... Can we proceed getting our spiritual health right? Can then we proceed successfully with our physical health? If you were to look around, which you already have, look around the congregation, you're going to see all shapes and sizes, all different appearances um, and that's great obviously a variety is is uh, the spice of life apparently um, who wants to be the same we say that on the outside you know 
oh yeah, sure, but on the surface, it's superficial, we don't, I don't think we mean it. Um, at work, we have tendencies to what? If you're at uh, the gym, if you go to the gym, you have a tendency to what? To look around and compare. Compare yourself to somebody else as if you're not good enough. It's a huge mistake, a huge trap we get into. Our tendencies are often to compare ourselves with others. Um, you want to be accepted, sure. You know, you try to be uh, look alike, dress alike, and our society is telling us we need to feel and look a certain way. And after time, like I said, you start looking at things in a different light, like retirement. I just want to remind us, you are already made perfect. You've heard that many times, but it's true nonetheless. As much as we try to have a self-improvement society, God made you perfect from day one, and we forget that. One or two verses I wanted to go over just to refresh um, my point. In 1 Samuel 16, 7, the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. We need to look deeper than we do at times. The second verse, Song of Solomon. You are altogether beautiful, my love. There is no flaw in you. Perfect. You were made perfect. So don't... Continue to compare yourselves in any way, because that would just start a spiral. Um, this is one of my favorite verses uh, coming up. Um, it's a common one, but it's it's uh, it's it hit it hits home for me. It's Psalms one thirty nine. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Do we know that full well? Do we? No. We were created perfect. So you can't compare yourself. Why are we not satisfied with how God made us? There's no recall. He made you right the first time. Okay. Done. When I think of this um, verse, I... I actually would challenge you to think in this capacity. We often, when we talk about creation, have God sitting on his throne. And he is throwing out stars and creating the world and making universes and telling the water, you can come this far, but no further. But it actually asks, you know, and then he gets to man when he makes us, when he makes each of us, okay. He, I, I like to get him off the throne and into his rocking chair where he is taking his time knitting. You, he, he knit us together. Taking his time, just knitting us one by one. All right, I'm going to 
think of PJ here. I'm gonna, I'm knitting by the way. I know you Morgan, crochet, right? Uh, I'm gonna give PJ this um, hair color. I'm gonna give uh, PJ this bone structure. Um, when it comes to Ryan, I'm gonna give him this color hair and these color eyes. When it comes to Jeannie uh, here today, Ms. Arp, gonna give her that red hair. He made you perfect, okay. Um, we can't, can't forget that. Um, here's the part where I say, however, we were born into a sinful fallen world. Therefore, we need to have upkeep, if you will, of our bodies. You knew I was getting to that part eventually. We need to accept our bodies. We need to develop our bodies that God gave us. Perfection aside, in order to accept our bodies, if we get that foundation right, like I referenced in the first part, if we have our spiritual health in order, that part will come, okay? To develop our bodies, that's... That's what I'm getting at. I don't know what that looks like for you. When we talk about our health, I don't want you to think I'm only talking about fitness because there's two different things, okay? Fitness is you know, strength training and running real fast and doing races. I know some of you guys did a 50K the other day. Tom, crazy, man. I'll talk about mental health next week. <laughs> 50K, that's awesome. But do not confuse health and fitness. Health is the entire, encompasses everything from your pressure to your numbers, and you've got to know your numbers, cholesterol, and blood sugar, to your um, BMI, of course, to your sleep to your stress, your personal hygiene, it's all encompassing. So just don't think I'm referencing about developing our bodies, getting to the gym. And I don't know what that looks like for you. Um, but you need to do an inventory and think about where you can improve that because we all have room for improvement, all of us. Uh, missed a good Sunday school today, and I stepped out early. I wish I could have saw the rest of it. Uh, John Harluck spoke about his journey and his health. He was so right on. Our health, our physical experience, our, our physical journey is linked with our spiritual health and vice versa. Uh, you got to remember that. You can't, you can't disconnect the two. And remember, when done for the right reason, God will help you and reward our, your fitness efforts, your health efforts. He will reward them if they are done for his service and not for your selfishness or out of vanity. We have to take care of our vessels. We have to take care of our bodies. Another analogy, I know several of you own properties and rent different uh, apartments out. Again, these are not ours. You want your tenants to treat your property as if they owned it. We don't own our bodies, folks. They're just rentals, if you will got to develop them, I've got to accept our bodies. Um, if, you know, one last thought I wanted to leave um, today, if we have our spiritual health and our foundation correct, then we can move 
one to addressing our physical health. After that, I would challenge each of you to consider taking it one step further if you get those down and coming alongside another with their health. It's a personal subject a lot of times. You don't want your friends to know your issues, your medicines you take, what your struggles might be. And again, all-encompassing, not just physical, maybe some home stressors, some work stressors. Uh, if we look at our next passage, it's the passage in Luke about how several men brought their friend to see Christ. I'm going to start at verse 18. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up onto the roof and lowered him through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw his faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Of course, I'm not saying that there's sin, therefore there's health issues. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, that's what my point is today. I want you to not look at the paralyzed man. I want you to what? Look at his friends. Those are some great friends. To, to, to bring him from wherever, point A to point B to point C, to the roof. My question would be, uh, do you have any of these types of rooftop friends that care that much about you to do something of that magnitude? Okay, it's amazing. Um, I always thought it was an interesting chapter, especially if you're the homeowner, right? You know, you're lucky Christ is here to raise you from the dead because I'm going to kill you for putting a hole in my roof. <laughs> but what friends? Do you have any rooftop friends that you can challenge or turn it around? Could you inquire about help from somebody to assist you in your journey, in your health journey, whatever that looks like. I'm not sure what you struggle with, sugars, cholesterol, blood pressure, work stress, home stress. Um, I would hope one of those people you come alongside would be your doctor. And I would encourage you, if you haven't seen them in a while, give them a call. But outside of the office, who can you get to come alongside you deeper? We've all done that. How, how many times have we attempted to eat healthier, attempted to exercise more, attempted to get better sleep? Or don't even act upon it. You just keep thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it. You know, hope, hope deferred hurts the heart in more than one way. Uh, so uh, I would challenge you to consider that. Um, to recap, just briefly, if we don't have a foundation of our spiritual health in the word, worshiping prayer, then we can't build and improve on our physical health the way we should and utilize ourselves to God's glory to the fullest. Once that's down, you can certainly proceed then with your health and then fortunately, hopefully, to help others as well along with their journey. Um, seriously, consider that. I, I, to have someone that you can go to, and I, don't get me wrong, I, I don't want to minimize what's been done. I know a lot of you bring meals to people after a minor procedure or 
uh, drive them to the doctors or to the appointment. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about on a deeper level. I want to invest, you know, this, this is doing life together, folks. This is what we're here for. Connect with somebody on a deeper level to help. Um, any questions about my uh, discussion today, please see me afterwards. I'd love to spend time and help you in any way possible. It's going to close in prayer and then we're going to take offering here. Heavenly Father, we just thank you this morning for an opportunity to come together and worship. Uh, we all have health concerns and uh, of course you are the great physician, and we rely on you to um, help us in our times of need. May we use one another as well, Heavenly Father, to lean on and uh, to become spiritually healthier, physically healthier, uh, and always to your honor and to your glory. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Good morning. Um, if they get a doctor to speak on health, does that make me lazy, speaking on rest? I don't know if I'm supposed to be offended or not. Just kidding. Um, no, we're going to look at rest. Uh, we, know, we know that rest is important. It's an important part of health, which I'm sure that's why they coupled health and rest together. Um, in, uh, in my initial preparation for this, um, I thought it would be a good idea to find, uh, to find some research in today's world um, about some rest. So the U.S. Army found sleep so important that they, uh, they got together a sleep research team, okay? Um, and then they, they listed out some essentials of good health um, and then some effects of good sleep. Sorry, good sleep. Um, some essentials of good sleep that they found were you should have a dark room, like blackout curtains, make sure your room is completely dark, um, a normal bed routine. They said you should go to bed within 30 to 45 minutes at the same time every night. Um, no cat bed, uh, no electronics at bedtime. You should, which is funny in today's world, um, earplugs or white noise is a, good, is a good thing to do. And you should get at least seven to eight hours of sleep per night. Okay? And if you follow their, you know, good sleep essentials, uh, these will be the effects of that. Uh, it helps maintain a healthy weight. It helps fight infection. It promotes performance. It supports muscle growth. It increases mental acuity. And it promotes a sense of well-being. Okay, so that is your information. You paid for that with your tax dollars. Uh, what you do with it, that's, that's all you. Okay, but this morning I want to touch on three areas of rest um, rest from work, rest from worry, and rest from the world. Okay, so what does the Bible say about rest? We'd probably know the first instance the Lord talks about rest. Uh, Genesis 2-3 says, God so, so God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all of his work, that he had done in creation. Did God need to rest? He's God, right? He didn't need a seventh day to rest. But he did it as an example for us, okay? Um, we know that having rest makes us more productive. Um, did you ever think Adam and Eve's first day on earth it was the seventh day. He, they were created on the sixth day. The first day on earth, they rested. 
I, I think God had that in his plan. Um, and we know that work is good. God put Adam and Eve in a garden, right? So work is good because God created it. Who has a garden here? Dr. Sheeran? Um, work, there's a lot of work when it comes to gardening, okay? So this isn't to say work is bad. Work is great. But work or rest is also a good thing. Um, in Exodus 20, uh, 8 through 11, is where God shows Mo Moses uh, the Ten Commandments. And God reminds Moses and his people. Um, now, this is after the years of slavery. Uh, they're on their way to freedom. And he, get, he, he tells them, he reminds them that they should remember the Sabbath. Okay, why would he do that? They're free now, right? Well, he wants, he, he, needs, he needs to remind them that there's a balance between work and rest. Too much of one or too much of another leads to an unbalanced life. Uh, it can create chaos in your life. Um, and anyone who cannot observe the Sabbath is a slave, is a slave to something. And that, that's what he's reminding them of. We can be, in today's world, we're, we're slaves to money, work, sports, hobbies. You can go on. If you cannot set aside a Sabbath rest, um, but we have to be disciplined and intentional about keeping that Sabbath rest in our lives. Uh, let's go to Exodus 31, 12 through 14. It talks about the Sabbath here. It says, And the Lord said to Moses, you are to speak to the people of Israel and say, Above all, you shall keep my Sabbath. For this is the sign between me and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. You shall keep my Sabbath because it is holy for you. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. Whoever does any work on it, that soul shall be cut off from among his people. Okay, now if you look back before this, um, in the middle of, of verse 13, it says, above all. Okay, above all you shall keep my Sabbath. Um, above all. Well, if you look back to the previous several chapters, um, he's going through different laws. Laws about the Ark of the Covenant, laws about restitution, laws about social justice, uh, the tabernacle, uh, the lampstand, all of these commands he was giving them, but he said, above all, keep my Sabbath. He, he put it there uh, for their good. And then the other thing I want to look at is the consequences. Okay, he says, everyone who pro profanes it shall be put to death. Okay, now this is where um, sometimes in the Bible they use extremes to, um, to get their point across. Um, an example for today, can you imagine in today's society your boss coming to you and saying, Grant, you've been working way too much. I don't like it. If you keep working at this pace, I'm going to fire you. Okay? Does that happen in today's society? No. We're always pushed. The American way is to do as much as you can and get as much done. And even back then, the rest of the world was not, they didn't, they didn't observe the Sabbath. So back then, I would look at it as a short-term loss, long-term gain, right? Because the other, comp the other countries around them, they're working seven days a week. They're producing food seven days a week. And now he's telling his people, give me one day. Give me one day. You, you know, I deserve that. But, um, you know, I, one time at work, um, we, sometimes we have to work a lot of weekends. We do a lot of... Uh, we do a lot of work in food plants, pharmaceutical companies. Um, they run uh, five days a week, sometimes six days a week. 
So a lot, a lot of times we have to go in when they're not running to do our work. Um, one time I had worked 28 days straight uh, just from doing regular work during the week and then going, going into plants while they were shut down on weekends. Um, that was not good. It wasn't. I was a grump. Ask my wife. Uh, when you get into that routine, you don't know what day of the week it is. Um, it, it's a big, it, it's just a lot of stress. Um, uh, can, you, can you imagine, um, well, no, I'm not going to go there. Um, but anyway, and the Sabbath, you know, when, by God doing that, um, he reminds us that we do not run this world. God does. Um, I don't provide for my family. God does. Um, I am not responsible in making sure my projects come out on time. That's God. God does that. Now, we definitely have a role in that. Um, but this is an act of trust that God will provide for us by keeping the Sabbath. Okay, let's move, let's move to Mark. I got one more scripture. Um, that I want to look at before we move on to rest from worry. Mark 2. Okay, Mark chapter 2, 23 through 27. One Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields. This is talking about Jesus. One Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain and the Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry? He and those who were with him, how they entered the house of God in the time of Abathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which was not lawful for any but the priest to eat. And also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. Okay, so here the Pharisees were talking about the law that we had just talked about. Okay? And they were trying to put that law on Christ. But Jesus reminded them what David had done. And David David was a man that they looked up to, that they, they had, they had uh, scrolls about David. Um, so this made them think about things, which that was a great thing that, that Jesus always made uh, the Pharisees um, think about things. Um, in 27, verse 27, it says, The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. We know that the Sabbath is not just a day. Okay, Christ is Lord of the Sabbath. When Tim Halls was here um, a month, month or so ago, uh, he shared that um, it, he, he wanted to start um, a church in his tribe. Uh, the tribal priest, or the, I'm sorry, the tribal chief who, you know, being, an, being new to the influence there, he has to be under the tribal, the tribal chief. He said, you cannot have church on Sunday. So they have it on a Tuesday. If, if, if the Sabbath was just on a day, would Christ not be with them on Tuesday? Or the underground church in China? No, it doesn't matter what day we do it. Christ is with us. Christ is with us. The Sabbath is, the Lord is, Christ is Lord of the Sabbath. Okay? Okay, um, I want to move on to rest from worry. Okay, rest from worry. Matthew chapter 6, 25 through, two, through 34. This is, a, this is a long passage. Uh, Ray and I looked at trying to cut some of this stuff out, and we just couldn't. We couldn't cut any of it out because it's so good. Um, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what, will, 
what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is, it, is life not more than food and the body not more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor, nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith, therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself, sufficient for the day of its own trouble." Okay, when we rest, it's very easy to worry about things. You take time to, uh, in your daily devotions or uh, you just, uh, at night you're just kind of resting and your mind starts going and you start thinking about things and you start worrying about things. Um, but we need to remind ourselves that Christ, if he takes care of the birds of the air, the grass of the fields, he will take care of us. But I don't want to confuse worry with concern. Okay? Concern is thinking about something, but also taking action. Okay? Worrying is thinking about something, but not being able to do anything about it. Is it worth our worry? It clearly is not. Uh, what, Christ, what we had just read. Um, when, when Jen and I were dating, um, she used to play this game, uh, would you rather or what if, okay? Would you rather get bitten by a shark or would you rather me get eaten by a wild pack of dogs? <laughs> like, what is that? Like, it always bugged me and she knew it and she'd push my buttons and or, or what, if, what, if I, what if I got in a car accident and lost one leg? Would you still love me? Like, no, I, I'm not going to answer that. Like, I'm, just don't even go there. Um, but that's what we do, right? Well, what if? What if this happens? What if that happens? We don't know about tomorrow. We need to worry about today. Take care of things today. We don't know. We can't play the what if game. Okay, rest from the world. Okay? Life is crazy, right? Life is busy. I, luckily, I had this outline done about two weeks ago, and I know why, because the last two weeks have been insane. We've got three kids in three different sports, try to help out with church and the school when I can, and working 50 hours a week at work. Life is crazy. And from what I see from my parents and my in-laws, life doesn't get, it doesn't slow down. You know, now they're taking care of their parents. So we have to be intentional. We have to be intentional about making uh, time for the Lord uh, and for that rest that we need. Um, it's good to get away from everyday life. Vacations are good. They're not bad. Um, but when we do that, when we take vacations, take time to set, set time away from the Lord. Um, how many people have been to Disney World? Is that a restful vacation? No, that's insane. Like I need three days after a Disney vacation to rest. Because you just go, go, go. You want to get, you want to pack everything in while you're there, right? But we do that with that. If you're, if you're at the beach, it doesn't matter. You, you try to get as much in 
as you can. Um, okay, it's so through your, your everyday grind at home. Okay, how can we take time to rest in our everyday, in our everyday lives? Um, for me personally, I think the first and foremost is devotions. You've got to take time to set time apart for your devotions, for your daily devotions. Um, whether it's morning or evening, um, you've got to figure out a time. And I, I've heard a lot of people, they have their special place too. That special place that they go, it's quiet, they can rest in Christ uh, when, they, when they do their devotions. Also, you have moments throughout your day. Uh, when I started doing this, um, when I do, started doing this research, uh, there was a guy, I don't know who it was, um, but I heard, or I heard him talk about um, something that I've started doing over the past maybe month. When I get home from work, before I enter the house, I turn the truck off, and I just take two minutes. Just let work at work so that I don't drag that stress of life, of my work life, into the house. Because before, when I would do that, I would come in, I'd be a grump. I would, it, it wasn't good. Ask my son, Ellen. He would know. Um, but no, but since I've started doing that, you don't have to shake your head, come on. Um, but since I've started doing that, it helps you reset. It helps you reset, you know. I usually get home at the worst time because Jenna's making dinner, the kids are doing homework, and it's just, it's crazy. I mean, probably not that crazy, but... Um, I need to be prepared for that. And I think that two, three minutes of just putting work behind me and setting my mind right before I walk into the house is such, has been such a big blessing for me, and I'm sure it has been for my wife. Um, another example, that was, that was some small time, a big time. We used to go on Algonquin trips. We used to take canoeing and backpacking trips uh, up to Canada. Um, in the middle of that week, we would do a solo day. That was eight hours by yourself. We would, um, after my first couple years, they, they, gave, they gave me a, the authority of being one of the leaders, okay? And what we would do is we would campsite on an island or somewhere, and then we would drop guys off. We'd canoe over to the side of, uh, the, side of the mountain, Drop, guy, drop a guy off, and then we canoe another three, four hundred yards and drop another guy off. And we'd leave him there to let them alone with Christ for six, eight hours. Um, it's, unfortunately, it's been a long time since I've done that. Uh, but I know a lot of people that do. You set even a half a day, four hours, to be alone with Christ and to search and to rest uh, in him. Um, I was listening, uh, John Piper in his, in his Don't Waste Your Life series, um, he, talks about, he talks about two couples that were retiring, okay? Both, both couples had worked um, up until then, they retired, one couple went to Boca Raton or somewhere for retirement, okay? There was another couple that went to the mission field. Uh, and he talks, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut this really short down, but um, at the end of their life, what do you think Christ wants to see? You know, you spent your last 15, 20 years collecting seashells on the seashore, or collecting souls for Christ. Like what, the, the reason why I bring that up is what are we working towards? Are we working to our ultimate rest? Is it retirement here on earth? Or is it retirement in heaven with Christ? Um, it's so easy to buy into the American dream of work, work, work. Once you get 65, I'm out right? No. So what rest are we working towards? Because in heaven, that is our ultimate rest, in heaven. 
Okay, I want to close. I want to close with one verse, uh, Matthew eleven twenty eight. This is maybe the most most used verse for rest. Um, Matthew eleven twenty eight says, "Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest." Uh, that first part, "Come to me," Christ is calling you. If you do not know the rest that we have talked about. If, if that is something foreign to you, Christ wants to show it to you. Christ wants to give you a peace that is beyond all understanding, and he is calling you. And also, if, if you are a Christian and are struggling to find this peace, my prayer is that you would lay your burdens, like it said, all you who are labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. He wants to carry your burdens. And it's so easy to take it upon ourselves, to not take that Sabbath rest and give it to him. Uh, that is my prayer uh, through this, that the, the rest that we seek is not just physical rest, but it's rest in Christ. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just want to thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the instruction that you give us, Lord, and that uh, we might seek you for our rest, Lord. Uh, we know that um, our health, our physical health, our spiritual health uh, is such a huge part in our everyday life, Lord, and I just pray that you would uh, just bring us to a um, an understanding and a knowledge of you, Lord, and just help us to um, stay in that, in that relationship with you and seek uh, to know you more every day. I pray all these things in your son's name. Amen. Thank you, Ryan, and thank you, Ed, for sharing with us this morning. As we've kind of worked through this series, Passion and Practice, we've been talking about how it's important as believers that, that we don't compartmentalize our life, that we don't uh, just part of our life on Sundays is devoted to God, and that's our spiritual life, and then we have our secular life and, and how we live our life the rest of the way. And so it's talking about how do we, how do we uh, uh, apply specifically our faith in different areas. And, and, and again, just thank you for the reminder this morning that, uh, that, that true rest only comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ. That, that he provides that rest. And if we want to be healthy, if we want to, uh, to, to be truly healthy, then uh, it, it starts with our spiritual health. And then as we, are, as we have a relationship with him, as we seek to grow in our life, then it affects the way that the choices we make and, and how we honor him with, with our bodies and with our choices and things like that. So thank you guys for sharing. Thank you for taking the time just to challenge us. And hopefully you, you walk away this morning challenged about uh, but how we can not just compartmentalize our life, but apply these principles in our life and, and ultimately honor God in, in every area of our life. So thank you so much for being here this morning with us. Again, if uh, you you're more than welcome to, and invited to come back for the renewal ceremony with, with, with Jana, Jana and Rashid. And, and again, thank you so much for being here. Have a great rest of your day.